Hello, this is Nikki Toyamasito, the Executive Director of Christians for Social Action, and your host for today's episode of 20 Minute Takes. On this episode, I talk with Olotunde Shobomihan. He's the co-author of Creative Hustle, as well as the CEO of Street Code Academy. Street Code Academy is a nonprofit that helps Black and Brown communities have the mindset, the skills, and the access to engage with technology to realize their full potential. In this conversation, Olotunde and I talk about his work in the heart of Silicon Valley in a community called East Palo Alto, in a society that is rapidly changing and quickly leaving communities behind. Olotunde shares about his vision to help bring access and proximity to the communities who might be overlooked. Olotunde, thank you so much for joining us on 20 Minute Takes. Honored to be here. Thank you, Nikki. I know that you are a busy person doing really good stuff, so I can't tell you how grateful I am to get this time. Uh, I've been a fan from afar and uh, appreciate you joining us here in the studio. You know, having four kids and, um, you know, the, the the action of running a company and doing the things, it's a pleasure to take a step back and to talk to uh, you about some very important things. So I'm honored to be here. Oh, thank you. Now, in your book, Creative Hustle, you talk about creative hustle is the alchemy of imagination and ambition. Can you unpack that a little bit for us? I love that. Yeah, I think, um, you know, we, we we talk a lot about um, moving in action. And I think one of the things that the book uh, helped me put out into the world and um, is this idea about reflection, imagination, um, Sabbath, rhythm. These are all things that help us to think bigger, right? So, mm. so ambition to me is almost an energy of action, of taking action and going. And that's a good spirit to have. I think we all have it. I think it's natural. I think it's positive. I think the thing about imagination is about, it's more about stepping back. It's more about, um, you know, you, you imagine more in the boredom, you imagine more in the stillness. And so there's an action and then there's an imagination. And those things to me create the creative hustle that, that creates the work that matters, the output that we, that the legacy you know, that's the, that's what really, that's, that's the notable action is that comes from that kind of combination. Mm, I love that. Can you tell me a little bit about how that imagination, about that hustle, about that stepping back and thinking differently about something led to the creation of, of your organization, Street Code Academy, or is it a company, your company, Street Code Academy? Yeah, it's an organization, a nonprofit organization based in Silicon Valley, in the heart of Silicon Valley, in a, a beautiful community called East Palo Alto, California. Um, mm-hmm. And it is a nonprofit. We we aim to uh, connect communities of color with the innovation opportunities. So we provide free classes in coding, entrepreneurship, and design. But that work um, was, it did come from reflection. I wish I would have reflected more. I think the work continues to be informed by that desire to want to be, to step back and allow, you know, I don't want to be reactionary, right? I want to be full of purpose and purpose, I think, you know, can come from time with ourselves, time with our faith. For me, that's time. I I, I talk about that and I articulate that as time with God, 
to really try to find deeper purpose. That that will not, I'm not just taking step A to B, right? If I do the purpose piece, I now maybe see the F, I maybe see the G, you know, I'm, I, I may mm-hmm. not see the whole A to Z path, but I'm seeing bigger than just what I'm reacting to on a day-to-day basis. So the work now is being informed by that much more than I than it did at the beginning. And so I'm excited about that because I think if we build in a practice, you know, I'm most proud about our sabbatical policy that we adopted. I, I took a, a sabbatical and was able to take a step back. We have two employees on sabbatical now. I think when we build that into a to an organization, now that organization is coming from a place of purpose individually and collectively. And I think that's where the real exciting work is going to happen. Yes, yes. No, that's fantastic. What was the need or what was the gap that caused the spark that led you to create Street Code Academy? Yeah, so there are a couple of sparks that led to Street Code Academy. The first spark I'll give credit to Jesse Jackson, Reverend Jesse Jackson, who talked about um, economic opportunity being the fourth civil rights movement for the black freedom struggle. And he talked about, you know, freedom from slavery and the right to vote and then freedom from legal segregation. But you have all that and you still don't have economics, right? It's time for that. And so Mm. he talked about that and technology being the real catalyst for that, right? We think about the wealth gap and it's only increasing because access to technology and technology resources, technology innovation, those things are, are kept out and overlooked by, you know, from um, the same people that are they're on the on the on the have not side of this arc, and so of this divide, and so one way to close that gap, one way to give um, communities of color the the economic opportunity is to equip them with technology, resource, and access. And I heard that when I was nineteen years old. That compelled uh-huh. me. I'm forty two now, so twenty seven uh-huh. years ago, I got introduced to that and that held on. But there have been a few other sparks, and I won't go won't be too long, um, but. The biggest spark is that East Palo Alto sits in the heart of Silicon Valley. It's a beautiful, rich community of color, not rich in economic resources, but rich in talent, rich in generosity, rich in vision. But yet it's still disconnected from the from the things it sits in the shadows of. Mm. So we're the mm-hmm. only city between Meta and Google, two of the five most powerful uh, innovation companies in the world. We sit down the street from Stanford University, the biggest research mm-hmm. and development mm-hmm. place. But yet, where are our access? Where where are the tools for us? Where's the opportunities for us was the question that we asked. And because we saw that as a divide, we wanted Street Code Academy was formed to be that bridge, to say, we're a community that you need, innovation world, you need these ideas. And this community needs those opportunities that come from innovation and technology. So how do, how do we be that bridge? That, that, was the, that was the last simplified version of, of the spark. I love that. I think it's also really important because it pokes a little bit of holes at this idea of proximity as a solution. Because it, it sounds like the community did uh, not lack proximity but it still was separated and not given the access. So I appreciate you sort of stepping in that gap and sort of noticing uh, noticing and, and pulling that together. I mean, I think you're so right. And I think on behalf, you know, that's a powerful concept, by the way, but let me respond in this way uh, on the, on the, on the, in the defense of those of us who, um, you know, proclaim proximity as a, as a real important feature. I think proximity 
was the vehicle once you had the intention, right? It's like, uh, if I want to help a community, yes. Yes. now I need proximity, right? But if I don't care, if you're invisible to me, right? How many people do I pass on the street mm. that I don't do anything about, right? Because I'm proximate, but I haven't yet set my heart to, um, to help. And that's a shame on my end. And it's a shame in any respects where we're close to things. It's right underneath us. It's right beside us. But we just don't care to help. Um, that's what I think is the biggest black eye of Silicon Valley, the lack of care and concern for so many of us that are sitting right beside all these opportunities and yet we don't get a fair shot. Yes, yes. Oh, I love that. So that kind of the proximity plus the intention, it's mm-hmm. it's not just enough. Uh, you know, one of the things I love about Street Code Academy, as I understand it, is you all train young people with tech skills coding skills, understanding the development of apps and different technologies. But you also, as you are equipping them, this is not just workforce development, but one of the things that I think really like uh, provoked my imagination is that you talked about trying to make sure that the developers, the programmers also retain a little bit of intellectual property rights for the things that they're creating. Can you tell us a little bit about why that was an important part of some of what you were trying to develop? So not just making programmers to feed these different machines, but it sounds like you were trying to do something else that was different for the community. Yeah, I mean, that's not that's not revolutionary to me um, because we all know how much ownership matters, right? We, all, mm-hmm. we, all, we, we know how much sovereignty, how much self-determination matters. It is a core value of any family, of any community, of any person. We, like that, that individual freedom is is an innate in what we're talk, talking about. So I don't think that's that's revolutionary. What's revolutionary is who deserves to get that. And for our community, we've been tracked for jobs for so long. Uh huh. Why can't we be CEOs? Why can't we be founders? That's not to me. That's 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 basic. But it's mm-hmm. also to me a real, a step above basic, right? Like I want all my kids to be able to know they could, of course, work for somebody. All my kids that work for people. Um, Mm -hmm. But I also want them to know it's an option for them to start their own. It's, and that's okay for you to also be an entrepreneur and a founder that is natural. And that is, that is, um, Mm -hmm. that is a right of yours as well, right? It's not only for other people. So I think that's a value that Street Code has has been there and, I, and I'm biased. I'm, a, I'm an entrepreneur, right? So I, I value entrepreneurship. I want other people to do that too. And so that may be some, that may be a, a, a problem of mine, right? A, a bias towards that. So I, I accept, um, you know, all sort of counters to that. But the other piece that I think we've also um, been driven by is that when we talk about diversity and we talk mm-hmm. about um, the need to diversify the, the technology industry, there's been, you know, this is 20, almost 30 years that we've been trying to do that. And the numbers haven't moved mm. much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Billions of dollars pledged, millions of dollars spent. You know, we haven't seen the kind of movement that we want. Well, what happens mm-hmm. when, you know, this people in the same community become founders? 
Well, they're immediately yes. hiring the people they know, the, the people they trust, the people they've worked with, yes. the, pe- yes. the people they see themselves in. So I think yes. that one of the fastest ways to diversify the industry is to invest in more black and brown founders. That seems wow. like a like a, uh-huh. like a nice strategy, right? On top of the fact that we all should, um, we all have the right to be able to uh, have self-determination and freedom as a, as a part of um, uh, what we do. Mm, so that's sort of part of part of the the movement or the energy behind supporting entrepreneurs and CEOs and this pipeline for Black leadership is that is actually one of the the best ways to really diversify the industry is recognizing think, the, the natural ways we pull our inner circles into the work we do. I think so. I think that's amazing. So you know, one of the things um, I remember you and I were in a meeting and. Um, Someone had floated out. So this is in this vein of, um, I'm going to call it diversification. I'm not like a super huge fan of it, but this idea of, um, oh, we would totally hire more black and brown programs. Oh, we would totally hire more, you know, insert the blank leaders. We would totally hire more folks on our boards. The pond of talent is just not there. And I heard you push back pretty hard on that. What is it that you would say? To somebody who's like, oh, we would totally, we're, we're open and willing to hire, but we just don't see the talent. We, we, we can't find the talent. Well, I think, I think there's a lot of truth in that. And I think there's, I understand it, right? I, I empathize with that. There are, there are blind spots I have. Um, I hire, you know, I'm not a big organization. I'm not a tech organization, but I'm sure if you analyze our 17 people, there should be, there should be, um, blind spots that you see from me as a leader, as a part of a team, I'm open to that. And so I, I empathize with that. I don't want to throw darts and rocks at people. What I what I want to do though is to ask real questions as to why we don't do the things that you know we should do. Um and ask and ask those things. And I think that we don't have the talent that doesn't smell right to me. That don't feel right mm. to me. And I think if somebody mm-hmm, was mm-hmm. if somebody was to Double click on that, right? Go go a little deeper. I think that initially that's a that's a understandable response. But I think to double click on that and to say, well, how far have you looked? Where where have you you know like for example, have you visited Street Code Academy? I mean that's a, that's a simple, you know, simple task, right? Like you know a place. How many times have you gone to an HBCU and checked out the time? I'm just mm. these are just mm-hmm. these are simple things, but yes. I think the answer to most of those questions are, man, I haven't done that, right? Or yes. have you asked the question why they're not, right? We There are people that are interested in this and are just a couple, you know, pieces away, right? And I think one of yes. the biggest things, so I think those things are all kind of step one, step two. I think once you start getting to step three, there's paradigm shifts. Well, what mm. do I see as qualified? That's, mm-hmm. whew. Oh, that's interesting. deeper. Ooh, yes, that's deep. yes, that's deep. And then let me just bring this up to you, uh, Nikki. I don't know how you identify, um, but uh, but if you, but if you are if you identify or connect with a lot of the Asian Americans and Asian that are prominent in technology, even as we think about them, my question is: Well, are is Asian uh, representation in boards? Are they represent represented in C suites? Because there's not a lack of talent, you know what I mean? That's true. clearly true. represented That's true. in the yes. tech workforce. 
but how much yes. in the leadership and the decision making? So I think we yeah. see holes across yes. that sort of argument about, well, what are we really trying to hold on to? And that's that also is okay, right? If this is a yes. company that I built and I want to hold it on to people that I trust and built it with, that's okay too. That's very natural. But if we understand uh-huh. the reality of what's going on, then we also understand the reality of why we have the same outcomes. And I think it's unfair yes. to say the reason we don't have enough black and brown people in tech is because y'all don't have enough talent. We don't have, that's, I think that's, I take offense to that. Not initially again, but if we're going to yes. try to defend that back and forth and that's where we yes. land. Yeah. I, 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 I hurt off that. I hurt off yes. that because I see yes. so much in my own uh, circle. Yeah, no, I, I think uh, to your point, I think it's about interrogating the criteria and recognizing mm-hmm. sometimes these different things that people say, because uh, I, I feel like um, there is an Asian bias around what leadership, quote unquote, looks like. Um, and, and so that there is an underrepresentation that, you know, there's sort of, oh, re- without realizing that some of the leadership models are culturally bound. And then so there's a way that folks don't kind of recognize actually fruitful and research-based and data-backed leadership showing up because it comes with an unexpected face. So um, as you look at Street Code Academy and the stories that inspire you or give you hope, what is it that you see that sort of says, ah, yes, this is, this is why we are here. And this is, this is the thing we are doing. And there's great joy. When you do work that you know, it's on your heart, right? It's it's full of emotion. It's it's like us raising our families and being part of families, right? It, it means something to us mm. to be part of that journey. And it means something to me to be part of the journey I'm in, right? There are a lot of communities that I'm not a part of that people have accepted me. And that's humbling, right? To be, um, even with the black community, for me, you know, growing up with a Nigerian father, white mother, like there's a lot of humility that I find in just being accepted by that community by being accepted, you know, by the Latinx community and not, not as a member of their community, but just in their, in their proximate community and all the communities. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. I'm humble. Right. And so it's emotional for me. It's, and so mm. I go on that emotional roller coaster. Um, sometimes I'm hit with hurt with how um, far behind we can appear to be and the real challenges that communities like ours face it, it it can hurt, uh, but I'm more inspired and full of hope all the time I'm doing the work. And because mm. I think what we mm-hmm. see is in the midst of challenge, that either is something that is that I can relate to personally or not, in the midst of challenge, I see people continue to push forward and move. You know, I'll give you an example. Mm. Like there was, we just had a pop-up. It was a, what we called a pop-up in the park. We were teaching Cody. Okay. Oh, excuse me, we were just given some exposure to a lot of like different technologies um, in the park. Very casual, a way to kind of expose folks. And there was a dad and son that walked over very early. The, the thing started at five o'clock. It was maybe four, 4.45 or something. He, he walked over and I asked him, like, why are you here? Mm-hmm. And why did you come? And mm-hmm. the son said, well, I heard about it at school. You know, I go to school and I got to hear about it. And I was really excited. And this, you know, he's nine years old, brilliant. You could tell energetic about learning. <laughs> Nine years old. Uh-huh. Oh man, can communicate himself, you know, and just with enthusiasm. And it was powerful. Yeah. But I asked, I said, you didn't come here by yourself, Dad. Why you? Why'd you take him? And Dad was saying, like, you know, I want my kids to 
to learn all these opportunities about technology. I said, well, have you done anything? No, I, I, I haven't at all. And to me, it's like, when you don't know anything about anything, right? And I asked myself as a dad, how many things have I taken my kids to that I didn't know anything about, right? I had no personal mm. connection to. I just, I yes, just, man, you're yeah. curious about violin. I'm just going to go find a violin instructor and just go. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't done yeah. that as much as I would like. And so I respect yes. the fact that there's all this idea that, man, learning technology is going to be hard. Learning uh-huh. technology is not for me. Learning technology uh-huh. is, is something, you know, that they do and I can't do. And where do I even start? Yes. But yet people are people are doing that. They're willing to take their kids to a park because they heard it come early and find out. Wow. And there's so I mean, that's just the latest example that happened um, you know, on Thursday. But it's like these are these are things that happen all the time, right? There's uh-huh. there's there's folks that are eighty we don't just teach youth, we teach all people of all ages. Okay. You see uh-huh. an 80, 82-year-old person who had a brick and mortar business say, I want to learn how to code my own website so I can put wow. what is no longer here at brick and mortar <laughs> and put it online. That's yeah. inspiring. You know, that's, yeah. that's hope. And then to say, yes. I want to bring all my grandchildren and all my friends' grandchildren to the same program and learn this stuff. And so you can learn it early. It's inspiring. So yeah. these are just a couple oh. of stories. Oh, I love that. I, that. What a picture of risk and courage. And and jumping in, I mean, you're right. I don't think there's anything that I take my kids to that I don't feel some level of like, oh, my feet have stepped here before. I know this, but wow, I love I love that. And I also love this picture of the pop up in the park. I mean, you're bringing something that does feel really intimidating, pretty close to where folks already are. That's amazing. How does your faith? How does your Christian faith inform? the work you do or how it is that you show up day to day? Well, I have on my, you know, book right here, I have on my desk, it's messy, um, but I have on my desk, (laughs) my Bible open to Psalms 22. And I've outlined, and I'll just read them. I I had no preparation for this, but I'll I'll read them. Um, Oh Lord, do not stay far away. You are my strength. Come quickly to my aid. Um, and I put in, I underlined Psalms twenty two twenty eight, which says, "For royal power belongs to the Lord; He rules all nations." Um, our children will also serve Him. Future generations will hear about the wonders of the Lord. I, I, I underline those three, and I don't know why I underlined them. Those probably are from two days ago, but I think those all speak to the work I do on a daily basis. Right when I think mm. about, "For royal power belongs to the Lord; He rules all nations," I think for me discouragement starts to creep up when you feel like you're on the losing side, right? Mm. I'm in East Palo Alto, California. It's a community that's trying to hold on uh, Mm. from one of the biggest pressures, economic pressures of any community in the world. Mm. And people who have lived here for generations who have, you know, fought to try to make this city a city It's 40 years old this year to try and build institutions here, are fighting this to hold on. I mean, how do you feel like you're on the winning team? Well, you know, you're my strength, God. Like, it's not mm-hmm. my strength that comes from uh, a funder. Mm-hmm. It's not my strength yes. that comes from our bank account or, you know, the numbers or the test scores or the, the projections. Those are not my strength. Like, my strength mm-hmm. comes from you, God, and that's empowering, and I need that every day. And so, you know, I, I underline things and, and I use my faith to give me that strength and give me that purpose, to give me that direction. Um, there are things that I've I've had to do and, and will continue to need to do that 
are not easy, right? How do you Mm -hmm. say, oh man, I want to be a better dad when that might hurt me being the CEO I want to be, or, you know, I haven't done these well, right? So these are things where for me to do these well, I need help. And that help Mm. to me comes from God and it comes from me spending time understanding what God is, right? Reading my word, getting in fellowship with people. Um, I just wrestle with the fact, the reason why this is open to Psalms 22 and not Psalms 23 is because Uh I wasn't here yet this morning. I came in, I flew Mm. in from LA. So I didn't get my time in with the word, right? Mm. That's a very practical piece of me figuring mm-hmm. out where how am I going to hold on to the practices that I want to in the midst mm-hmm. of me trying to still be ambitious. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's challenging. Mm-hmm. And so I need community, people to say, you know, Tunde, it's, it's unwise for you to skip out and be doing podcasts before you do your time with God. Or it mm-hmm. is okay for you to do a podcast with your time with God because God is flexible. He's still with mm-hmm. you. These are all perspectives that I can get from a community. Yes. And that's yes. all faith to me. Faith is my yes. practices. Faith is my community. Faith is my inner direction. Faith is my belief. You know, that's all me being a Christian. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Ola Tunde, the work that you're doing with Street Code Academy, your book, Creative Hustle, they all been, have been such an inspiration to me and I know to many others. So thank you so much for carving out some time from your schedule. We're really glad to have you with us. No, thank you, Nikki. It's been a blast. Twenty Minute Takes is a production of Christians for Social Action. We're produced and edited by David DeLeon. I'm your host, Nikki Toyamasito, and the music is done by Andre Henry. You can find us on the web at ChristiansforSocialAction.org. Give us five stars, write a review, and share about the podcast with your friends. 